Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. own wealth of experience or from my own dexterity or gift or talent that I will speak from the wells of salvation in the name of Jesus. And I ask that every ear wool that is covering the ears of your people is taken out right now in the name of Jesus. I ask that every veil covering their hearts and their faces is taken away right now in the name of Jesus. That together we will behold the face of Jesus and will be transformed into that same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. Everyone under the sound of my voice is blessed, strengthened, and caught through the teaching of God's Word this morning and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Can we rejoice one more time? Hallelujah! Glory to God. Let's celebrate the beckoners. Amen. Such, such a powerful session this morning in worship. Praise the name of the Lord. Welcome your neighbor to church. Um, gift. <laughs> yeah, looking for your neighbor. <laughs> He's coming, eh? <laughs> Praise God. Are you blessed? Are you blessed already in service? Because I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen. Um, I'd like one person to share his experience with how this teaching has impacted you in the last two weeks. One person. Anyone? Anyone? How you've been able to apply the principles, the insights from this teaching series in your personal life and how it has been a blessing to you. All right. Okay, there's Caleb and there's Eniola. Did I get your name right? Awesome. All right. So let's have Caleb. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Let's give him the mic. Amen. Um, okay. Um, for me, <laughs> what has really impacted my life most is bread and raiment. <laughs> because um, I've... No, for a while now, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what to eat, you know, how to feed, what to do. But I just learned all through last week to just cast my cares. And wow. honestly, God has surprised me so far. Praise God. And I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Awesome. 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 You just passed the mic to your life. Yeah. Okay. So, a funny scenario. I went to the gym. Trust and <laughs> I wanted to get water, but I was like, oh, it's not necessary. Then my gym partner offered to get water. What kind of water are you referring to? Um, <laughs> table, you, you got table water. Table, okay, and okay, I was okay. like, no, it's not. Do you already have the context? If it's drinking or just drinking normal water. water? Okay, okay. Table water, okay. and I was like, it's not necessary. Just give me one pure water. Okay. Tomorrow, I will take the rest. <laughs> <laughs> then okay. the man that was selling it was like, don't worry, tomorrow will sell itself out. So what am I stressing for? Mm, just mm. take the table water. Then I just remember the same that oh, Otonio, Otonio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that experience. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, any other person wants to share an experience before we get into the word? Any other person? Okay. So let's move right in. Um, it's been a very impactful teaching series, actually, because more so in these times that we're living right now, there's so much of fear in the environment, so much fear. So much fear in the environment, and it's so easy to be afraid. It's so easy to be afraid. You don't have to do anything to be afraid. Just keep breathing, all right? You will very much likely be afraid. Are we together? Let's settle. I still sense a bit of movement, especially in the minds of people. Your mind is still wandering. Can you settle down and focus on God's word? Um, before we go along, let's, let's just make these confessions. Because recently, I realized the power of repetition. 
I've always known repetition is really powerful, but I think sometimes we, we fail to apply those principles of repetition in God's word. And that can be um, detrimental, really, to our growth and development. So sometimes it's important that you repeat some things. Just repeat them. Most religions are, you know, indoctrinated falsely, though, by repetition, mantras, all right? And uh, sometimes we Christians who actually own the concept of meditation, which is where every other religion borrowed it from, all right, we fail to use and utilize this principle in Christ. Amen. So can you hold your Bible out for those who have their physical Bibles with them? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right, hold your Bible out. You have your Bible with you. Let's do a quick test of physical Bible holders. Amen. It's important that you get a physical Bible. All right, you can't hold your phone and say, this is my Bible. Because <laughs> your phone is a lot of things. And the time you spend on the Bible on the phone is very minuscule compared to the other time that you spend on other platforms on that same phone. So you, can ask, you can't really call it your phone or rather your Bible like that. It's more of your phone and your social media host <laughs> than it is your Bible. It's important that you have a physical Bible so that you can turn off your phone to read your Bible. Because while you are reading your Bible on your phone, you can't turn off your phone. <laughs> But you need to be able to turn off your phone and take away all distraction to read your Bible. So you need a Bible, physical Bible. Say amen. amen. All right. Now say, this is my Bible. Raise it up and say, this is my Bible. <laughs> Why is Jemima looking very guilty? <laughs> say, this is my Bible. Say, this is God's word to me. Say it again. See, this is my Bible. Say, this is God's word to me. Praise the name of the Lord. Say, my Bible is my compass. Say, my Bible is my manual. Say it again. Say, my Bible is my compass. Say, my Bible is my manual. Say, my Bible is my ideology. Let's say that again. My Bible is my compass. My Bible is my manual. My, ma my Bible is my ideology. Say, I follow my Bible. I speak my Bible. I behave my Bible. I honor my Bible until I become one with my Bible. Let's do that again. Say, I, uh, what's the first one? No, 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 I follow my Bible. Yeah, good. I follow my Bible. I speak my Bible. I behave my Bible. I honor my Bible until I become one with my Bible. Whoosh. Praise the name of the Lord. This is my Bible. It's my compass, it's my manual, it's my ideology. What is not in my Bible, I refuse to say it. At hunger and famine, thou shalt laugh. That's what the Bible tells me. I won't be fretting up and around. You know what David said? He said, even if the whole world was removed, if the earth was removed, you know, where do you run to when the earth is being removed? Where do you run to? Where do you go to? <laughs> the earth, not a part of the earth. The whole earth is removed. <laughs> but David said, there is a river and the streams thereof. Make glad the city of God. How do you find joy when the earth is being removed? You know, a lot of people say there's no joy in this country. There is joy even if the earth is being removed. Because joy does not come from any terrestrial source. It comes from a celestial source. Praise the name of the Lord. Even if the earth is being removed. 
to go. There's no bunker. You know, the Americans and, you know, the White House, if something is happening, there is a bunker. You just take the president there and he's safe. No bomb blast can get there. Every, he's safe, guarded. But when the earth is being removed, where's the bunker? Where? Where do you go to? The whole earth is being removed. This is why we need to meditate on the scriptures. Because, you see, scriptures will give you extreme conditions. It will give you extreme scenarios and illustrations that if you can have faith in that context, there is nowhere else you can have faith. There's nowhere else. If the earth is being removed, it says you can still be glad. What is not happening that is compared to the earth being removed? Nothing. Praise God. A lot of people do not believe their Bible. That's why. There's a lot of fear in your heart. They've not been receiving God's word to them. They hold up their Bible, but it is not their compass. It's not their manual. It's not their ideology. It's just one thing they read when they come to church and when they are told to open their Bibles. It should be your compass, your manual for life, and your ideology. Whatever is not in the Bible, whatever is not permitted in the Bible, should not be permitted in your space, in your atmosphere. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's quickly get to Ephesians chapter 2. Praise God. We rejoice at God's word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 1, Bible says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, Wherein in time past you walked, you walked according to the cores of this world. Mm. You walked according to the cores of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. It says, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. He said, when you were not born again, this was the dominant spirit that influenced all the things you did. Anyone who is not born again is a child of disobedience. And there is a spirit at work in all the children of disobedience. It's called the prince and power of the air. It is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And such were some of you in time past. You walked according to the cores of this world. That means there is a cause in this world. Remember the Gulf cause. It's a cause. It's a field. It's a cause littered with evil days. It's a cause. Anyone who is not born again is following the cause of this world. And that cause is determined by the prince and the power of the air. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Say to yourself, I'm a child of obedience. Wow. I'm a child of obedience. But there are those who are called the children of disobedience. And how they became children of disobedience is just by being born. They were born into a sinful world that has been donated to evil in advance until redeemed. The world as it is right now has been donated to evil. <laughs> the moment man fell, the devil became the god of this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. He is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And he created a cause in this world. And it littered that cause with evil days. Sufficient for every day is the evil thereof. It's the evil thereof. And the only way to redeem those days back is by doing the will of God. Therefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Don't be unwise. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. 
It is by the will of God we redeem the time. If, you do, if there is a day you lived upon the face of the earth that you did not pursue and persist in doing the will of God, you lived an evil day. Doesn't matter how much money you got that day. Doesn't matter how many restaurants you visited. It doesn't matter how many places you traveled. It doesn't matter how much fun you had. You just lived an evil day. Because you just followed the cause of this world. Predetermined by the devil. The cause of this world. The cause of this world. Littered with evil days. But we need to redeem the time. We need to get it back from the hand of the devil. And it is by doing the will of God. And the greatest opposition to doing God's will is fear. So how the devil keeps you on the cause of this world is by putting fear in your heart. That's how he keeps you on the cause of this world. What will I eat? How will I be taken care of? How will I travel? How will I meet my needs? How will, how will, I, how will I be fine? How would I be okay? And then he keeps you on the cause. And you just be flowing according to his predetermined counsel. It's a course. You know, when you put something on a course, the thing just follows the path of that course. And that course is littered with evil days. Sufficient for every single day is the evil thereof. It doesn't mean something bad will happen. It just means you will not be pursuing God's will. That's an evil day. A day that is void of the will of God is an evil day. A day where you do not do God's will is an evil day. It doesn't matter how many evil news, quote and quote, that you see. Evil is just not good. That's all. That is what evil is. Not good. Remember what good is. Amen. For you to be able to do good, you must be capable of repeating. Because repeating is good. Say that. <laughs> Praise God. Say repeating is good. That's what it means to be good. To be able to repeat. That is exactly what it means to be good. John chapter 5 verse 19. The son can do nothing of himself except that which he sees the father do. That's what made Jesus good. Because he was able to repeat. Anything that is good has been repeated. Anything that is good has been repeated. Every single time God said this thing was good. It was because it matched his idea in the beginning. What he wanted to create, create matched the thing that he eventually created. So he said it was good because there was no divergence between what he created and what he wanted to create. It, to create rather. What he wanted to create was this. What he created was this. And so it was in alignment. So he said it was good. Now the first time he said something was not good. Was because there was a divergence. Between what he wanted to create. And what he eventually created at the start. So in Genesis 1 he created man in his image. Male and female. But he started in Genesis 2 by forming man. And that formed man was just a male man. So he said to that man. He said it is not yet good. Because it is not yet in alignment with what I had in mind. Goodness is not a moral virtue. It's a quality of consistency. Quality of alignment. You see, over time, we are used to calling people who demonstrate virtues like kindness and, you know, high moral standards. We say they are good. That's not what God thinks about when he hears the word good. Remember what he said in Numbers 23? He said, has he spoken? Shall he no more make it good? What, what is he talking about? Because if I say something, it's not yet good until I perform it. I have said it. It exists in a certain realm, but it must be repeated on the earth realm. If I have said it, it is not yet good until I perform it. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should repent. If he has spoken, it will come to pass. If he has promised it, he will make it good. That's what it means to be good. 
to be able to repeat. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll still get to understand what I'm saying in more clear details as we go along. So the world as it is today is littered with evil days. Evil is what? Evil simply means not good. That is, it is not in alignment with what God had preordained. Remember Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Unto what? Good works. It is good works because in his mind you have done it. You are yet to start doing it in time. And in reality, that's why it is not yet good. But you see, those things, the moment you begin to do them, they are good works. Good works. Because they are finished in a certain dimension. Once you begin to now corroborate those things that have been finished with your own actions, you are doing good works. Good is not necessarily charity. Good simply means what God has done. That's good. When you start doing what God has done, you are doing good works. That's good works. So everything in Genesis that he created, he said it's good. Oh yes, it's good. Because he matched, it aligned. It was consistent with what he had in mind. It was good. It was good. Go listen to spec list. The prevailing blessing it will really help you in that regard. I, I did a lot more explanation in that regard. So the world is littered with evil days. Every day is an evil day until you redeem it. So every day you wake up, I'm going to redeem the time today. Whoosh! Today has evil, sufficient, full, more than enough evil in that day. Because that day, the devil has planned that you will just follow the cause of this world. Look for what you will eat. After eating, you work, eat more, sleep, wake up, eat the bread of adversity, then go back the next day, keep looking for food, what you will eat, what you will be clothed with, how will you, you will survive, how you will travel, how you gather some money to get your visa. You know, what can I do to survive? That's the cause of this world. And a lot of us are just following that cause and they think they're living. They're just following a cause. It's called a cause. Where in time past, you walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit. There are no vessels in vacuum. Every single person upon the face of the earth who is a human vessel is dominated by some spirit. They may look nice, wear suits, have shades, drive cars, but they are spirit dominated. Every single person. There are no human beings that are without a spiritual influence. None. If you are not born again, there is a spirit called the prince of the power of the air that works in, this, in the children of disobedience. And for those who are born again, they can be influenced by the same spirit through the allowance of fear into their heart. They can be dominated by that spirit of fear. It's a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And that's the first deliverance that happens once you get born again. You are delivered from the power of darkness and translated to the kingdom of light. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together? So the devil will insist that you do not do the will of God. And sometimes he will try to uh, give you all the things you need. Sometimes, have you noticed that when you look at your life and the lives of those who are not as born again as you, you almost feel like, is there really gain in being born again like this? Has it ever occurred to you? You're almost like this one. I know what she did on campus. She's married with two children. Me, I'm here. Virgin, virgin, virgin. See your life. And you're comparing. You know, David said, he said, I, I broke down when I began to compare myself and the realities of my life with those of the wicked. I began to feel really bad and sorry for my life. 
And then he gained understanding and he realized that, ah, one moment they're here, the next moment they're gone. Their life is really nothing. Advancement in achievement and accomplishment in life is not what translates to life. That, see, listen, you must begin to evaluate things the way God evaluates them. It doesn't matter how much accomplishments you have in this side of eternity. If you did not do the things that were written of you, written of you in the volume of the books, you did not do anything with your life. You traveled the world. And this is not me being against all of those things. You must do those things if it is part of the cause of the things that God has written concerning you in the volume of the books. But if all you're doing is just ensure that you can match your mate on Instagram, and ensure that you are also able to make boasts when others are making boasts. And ensure that your, your pictures are also as nice. And ensure that when others are talking, you too can talk. You can talk anywhere. It doesn't matter who is talking. If you are called of God. If you are doing that which is in the volume of the books for you. Did you see the boldness with which people like Paul spoke? Even in the presence of kings. It didn't matter who he was talking to. He could talk to anybody because he was called of God. He was doing that which God ordained for him to do. He was not looking at anybody's face to survive. He was not trying to look at someone who could promote him, who could give him a kickback, who could help him in life, and then using their own value system to judge what he could say. Because that's what happens a lot of times these days, even from pastors. So someone drops five million in church, and then you begin to look at the person's lifestyle to coordinate and arrange your teaching sermons. That this person will be offended if I say this thing like this. Uh, let, let me arrange it. So that, that you are just worshipping mammon. You are not following the will of God anymore. Because you are either serving God or serving mammon. But the devil will come dressed in mammon. And you think it's still God you are worshipping. <laughs> you are using God to serve mammon. You are using God to serve mammon. You ought to use mammon to serve God. Such were some of you. Where in time past you walked according to the cause of this world. Evil days. Littered. In that course, wake up in the morning, go to work, earn a living, come back at night, sleep, wake up in the morning, go to work, earn a living, come back at night, leave. The same cycle every day. That's not what your life is meant for. That's the minimum level of existence in God's agenda. Minimum. And lilies and fowls of the air, those are the people who ought to be occupying that space. Life is more than meat and raiment. Life is about doing the will of God. The purpose of your body is the will of God. Sacrifices and offerings that will not, but a body you have prepared for me. That means your body was crafted for God's will. Every time you do things that are not in alignment with God's will for your life, you have abused your body. You know when you begin to apply something for a purpose that is, well, was not designed, you are abusing that thing. Imagine using cutlass to cut bread. That's not what it's meant for. Or using knife to weed. You're abusing that thing. Bible says a body was prepared for you. The body was prepared for a purpose. And that purpose was to do the will of God. But that body came on earth. And you became obsessed with keeping that body and soul together. And, and taking care of it. Imagine you buy a car. You wash it every day. You never take it. You never drive it. You just wash it. You clean it. You wash every part. Every single day you are washing it. But no mile on it. What kind of a car is that? That's what we do with our bodies. 
How will this body survive? It needs to go to school to earn a living so that it can earn something and take care of that body. So you begin to pursue those things that will make the body fine. But the preparation for which that body was prepared, the purpose for which that body was prepared, you never apply that body for that purpose. And at the end of the day, God looks at you and says, I prepared a body for you to do something. And you applied it for every other thing but the purpose for which the body was prepared. A body was prepared for you. Tell yourself, my body was prepared. So if you are someone who is pretty, it was prepared. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me not say if you are someone who is pretty. Everybody is pretty, amen. <laughs> but they will come after me now. <laughs> Praise God. Your body was prepared. Your body was prepared. My body is a machine. It was prepared. Ha! And the devil sometimes wants to infiltrate that body with virus and with, you know, you cast it out. Because it was prepared for the will of God to be implemented. Demons, cancer, sickness, disease, accidents cannot take that body from you. If you are using it for the purpose for which it was prepared, nothing can hijack that body from you. Nothing. If you will use that body for the will of God, it's preserved. Ah, it was such a joy and a blessing watching Baba Deboe at 80 at the last Holy Ghost conference. Standing for two hours. 80-year-old man. 80 years old man. Eh? 80 years old. He still did a, a walk around camp. Do you know how large camp is? He did a walk, a prayer walk around camp. What is sustaining that man is not multivitamins. It's the will of God. He gave up that body for the furtherance of the gospel. He poured his body out like a drink. That's why he's still being sustained. Jesus could not die until he was ready. Because that body was still doing what the will commanded. A body was prepared. And we get on this side of eternity and we make the body the purpose. The body is not the purpose. The body is the vehicle. It's the tool for the propagation of the gospel, the will of God. That's the purpose of your body. You offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the beginning of your service. If your body is not doing what God has told it to do, you are wasting and abusing that body. But when it's sick, you run back to God and say, come and service my body. Come and heal my body. For what? You were not using the body for the purpose for which I prepared it. Now you are sick and you ask God to service the body and clean the body and, and get the body working fine. So that you go and use it again to pursue your own ends. If God, does the, if God has to justify every of his healing, he won't heal a lot of people. If he has to look at you and say, what is the purpose of healing you now? So that you will go and ruin the body and come back for healing again. And then you go and... You are abusing this body. You are not doing the will of God. It's not just drug abuse that exists. Whenever you litter or rather you use your body to follow the cause of this world. Pursuing evil days. You are abusing the body. Because that's not what the body was prepared for. I don't know why I'm towing this line. It's not in my notes. But I believe somebody needed to hear that. Stop abusing your body. Tell your neighbor, stop abusing your body. Stop abusing your body. Jesus said, a body was prepared for me. Lo, I have come. As it is written of me in the volume of books, to do your will. So he is separate from his body. He said, a body was prepared for me. So they put me inside the body. Now, because you're not doing what the body was prepared for, you have trapped the real you inside that body. Shut it out. Shut it down. Every time he's speaking, this is not why you were prepared. You were prepared for me. You are not giving me expression. This body has taken over the throne of your life. Can you begin to use that body for me? And you keep shutting it down. 
man will survive. But that's not why. Raise your gaze above survival and you begin to see the reason for which your body was designed. Raise your gaze. Survival is the least. People who don't sow or reap, they are surviving. It's not about survival. There is much more. Your life must count for something. And fear will be the biggest deterrent in doing the will of God. Fear. Fear. Praise the name of the Lord. So, uh, let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. A body was prepared for me. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ooh, the word of God is so amazing. We need to believe God's word. If people will start believing God's word, a lot of people will come to Christ. Because there will be a marked difference between the life of someone who believes God's word and acts on God's word and someone who doesn't. The reason why there is not much difference is because people are hearing the word but are not doing the word. They don't believe the word. They don't perform the word. They don't act on the word. They don't behave the word. They're not one with their Bibles. So there is no difference. They're all the same. What happens to A happens to B happens to everybody. But for those who follow the word of God, there will be a marked difference. When others are cast down, you shall say there is a lifting because you are following a certain manual. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Bible says, having spoiled. Whoosh, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them in hell. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in hell. Wow. How do we read this and, and just move on? How can you read this verse of scripture and just move on and as if you didn't read something? You know, your boss will say, an elephant cannot pass. And you say, you just saw something and just move on talking like that. Eh? An elephant. This is an elephant scripture. You can't just be reading your Bible and you land on verse 15 and then just move on as if you didn't read something. Eh? This having spoiled. You know what it means to spoil? To strip of everything valuable. That's what it means to spoil. To spoil a person. You know, when you're going through a dark alley and a cheap thief comes, comes against you and he spoils you. Say, so bring your wristwatch. Bring your phone. Bring your belt. How good is this shoe? Remove it. Your neck piece. Bring it. Everything valuable on you, he spoils you of it. That's what it means to spoil. To strip of everything valuable. To take forcibly that which belongs to another person. The only thing that the devil had with which he was controlling the world is called the power of death. Now, everything that the devil had that was valuable to him and his kingdom has been spoiled. Spoiled. He has been stripped of everything powerful in his entire kingdom. He spoiled principalities and powers. And he made a public announcement of it. Made a public announcement of it. He spoiled them. He spoiled them. You know, back in the day, you go fight a battle and you spoil the nation you've gone to battle with. Everything valuable in their camp, you take it away. Everything. 
Everything that you can lay hands on that is valuable, their gold, the natural resources, their human resources that is valuable, you take it from them. You spoil them. Spoil them. So Jesus went to hell. They thought he died. They didn't know that he went to do a rescue mission and a spoiling mission. He went to spoil them in hell. He could have just stayed dead and when it's time to raise, he would just rise. But he was on assignment there. So he went to hell. What is valuable in this place? Bring it here. The keys of death collected it. Everything the devil could use against you, he spoiled it. Spoiled it. This is why you can boldly say that no weapon formed, fashioned, orchestrated, targeted at you shall be able to prosper. They have been spoiled. He said, I created the blacksmith. He said, I've not given them the permission to create a weapon that can be effective against you. None. All weapons targeted at you. It just ceases to work. When you get to an arsenal and you see a lot of AKs and you begin to remove the bullets. That's what it means to spoil. So the same gun, but without power. And he's pointing it at you and you think there's there no bullet there. It's been spoiled. Everything valuable in his arsenal has been spoiled. He has stripped the devil off everything that was valuable in his, in his, in his kingdom. He has stripped him of it. Every single thing. Why are you still afraid of him? Why are you still afraid of him? But a smart student would ask, so why are we wrestling? Why are we wrestling? Because he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. How come we are still wrestling if they've been spoiled? Uh, you need to understand the nature of that wrestle. You need to understand the nature of that fight. Remember, 2 Timothy 6.12 tells us that kind of fight. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Remember what I said about good. Hallelujah. The battle is already won. You are not wrestling to see who wins. You are wrestling to enforce who already won. There is a world of difference. It's a good fight. It's a fight that has been finished before it started. It's a good fight of faith. Whom ye resist steadfast in faith. Wow. Do people really believe these things? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the times of calling people to start dying is over. You don't need anybody to die for you to conquer. You don't need anybody to die for you to overcome. You are of God, little children. And you already have overcome. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4, 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Wow. I have overcome. I'm not going to overcome. I have already overcome. This is not aspire to Maguire. This is the truth of God's word. There is a level of sobriety you will not be able to attain except through the word of God. Because you won't be able to see the devil for who he truly is. You see, the information and the education you have about the devil is a function of the things you've been listening to over the years. So you've watched Mount Zion movies from way back. They're much better now. All right, from way back. And you've seen how, you know, how, you know, they, they portrayed the devil as some really powerful guy who, if you mess up, he can, he can destroy you. Everything he could destroy you with has been spoiled. It's been stripped. And it was not a secret mission. He made an open show, but a lot of people missed the party. He created an announcement. The devil is being spoiled. 2 a.m., show up at the garden. Show up there. And many people missed the party. 
Many people missed the party. So when he comes, they think he's powerful. And that thought is enough for him to destroy them. They think it's powerful because they missed the party. So most of the arsenal in, or most of the things in your arsenal against the devil is knowledge driven, is knowledge based. If you do not know, you will not know, you will not know, you will not know. You will not know that the devil has been spoiled. And when he shows up, you would assume that he came with all the artillery of hell. He has nothing left. Nothing left. Nothing left. He's been spoiled. Except you don't believe the scripture. Colossians 2.15, having spoiled, not going to spoil not in a week's time i will spoil not after the end of age i will spoil having already spoiled revelations 1 18 tells us that he already possesses right now the keys of hell and of death he's not in the devil's pocket anymore he can't decide who he wants to kill even his mission he does not have the autonomy to implement it his mission in john chapter 10 verse 10 it comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But even that thing, he can't do it except by the contribution of the belief of the person he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The person has to be afraid. The person has to contribute their belief through his lies, which produces fear for him to be able to steal, kill, and destroy them. He can't do anything from someone who is properly educated about what happened on that day. You have been spoiled. Do your worst. You have been spoiled. See, this is something we as Christians need to learn to do from time to time. Laugh at the devil. And like we give him too much credit than he deserves. He's been spoiled. You, you that we know when you were spoiled. You, you want to come and booga for me, you. I, you were spoiled. Everything you had that could hurt me, you were de-weaponized. You were neutralized. You have been rendered important. There, was, there is nothing on you right now that can harm me. Nothing. Because I know the truth of God's word. Nothing can intimidate a person who is fully conscious of what he knows in Christ. Who he is in Christ. Where he sits in Christ. How far do you think I am above you? How far? Describe it how far. You're asking him questions. No, no. How far do you think I am above you? And he's like, very far. No, how far? And you are, you are threatening the one who came to threaten you. And he's running out in, in trepidation. The devil running out in trepidation he thought he was going to have you running out in trepidation but he, he didn't know who who he was coming to meet he didn't do his research he came to the wrong man knocked at the wrong door now he's in trouble how many of you watched matilda i, I saw it recently thanks to you <laughs> so i watched matilda recently remember trunchbull right the the evil headmistress she was so evil she dominated her students with fear Everybody in that school was dominated by the fear of Mrs. Trunchbull. She had a place called, what's that name of that place? The Chucky. She would put you inside the Chucky. It, it was full of thorns and nails. I mean, it was scary. It was horrible. This one was not something you wanted to face. She was hideous. Like, she was just evil, mean. Until someone began to expose her for who she really was. And the person started writing on the wall. Agatha, they wrote her name. He said, I am Magnus, the person she had, she had killed earlier on. How many of you know this movie? So that I don't sound like a... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Funny enough, that's the title of my teaching, by the way. <laughs> yeah, in the spirit. <laughs> the title of my teaching is Spoiler Alert. The devil has been spoiled. <laughs> spoiled. So, it's okay. It's fine. Let's do the spoiler alert. <laughs> so, this trunch ball happened to kill his own 
sister's husband so that he could take over the house and then he used the proceeds from whatever it is that he was able to get from that act to build a school, an evil school, and then she was dominating the lives of those children and dominated the child of the man he had, she had killed. And of course, that lady was a teacher in our school. And that was the teacher that Matilda fell in love with in, you know, in school and all of that. And so Matilda had superpowers and all of that. And then eventually, Matilda comes with those superpowers and begins to write on the chalkboard the things, the real things, the real nature of Agatha. Called her by her name. She had been calling herself Trunchbull. But she called her by her name. You are Agatha. I'm Magnus. I know what you did. If you don't stop threatening these children and leaving my daughter alone, I will come after you and I will destroy you. Guess what? She ran away from that school in shame. They were stoning out all kinds of things from their lunch packs and eggs and bread and butter and cheese. She left that school never to return on the strength of the exposure of her real identity. If you do not know the devil for who he really is, Oga, you will be giving him accolades that he does not deserve. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's been spoiled. Why is he still running around town as a free man? He's not a free man. He's been spoiled. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them, not in a secret place, Everybody saw it in hell. Home, away, and every other place, he won. Jesus won this battle. So this is a good fight of faith. God is not asking you to do what he has not already done. But you've got to make it good. So he has fought, fought the battle, but you've got to make it good. Go and enforce the one who already won. Go, don't go and try to see who wins. You're not wrestling to see who wins. You are wrestling to enforce who already won. Jesus already won the battle. Can somebody just rejoice in this room right now? You're not rejoicing like you know exactly what was done on your behalf. What? Having spoiled. That's why there is not. He took them to spa and he told them to start buying whatever they want to. That's not spoiling, no. That's a, a, a secondary meaning to spoil. Stripped them of everything valuable that hell possesses. No weapon formed, as long as it's from hell, it's been, it's been rid of its power. It's been stripped of potency. It's been stripped of power. It's been stripped, having spoiled. Ah, it has been spoiled. This knowledge is enough. You are spoiled already. So it's now my responsibility to know that you have been spoiled. You have been spoiled, whether I know it or not. But my knowledge or lack of it is the empowerment or the lack of it in your defense against the devil. If you don't know it, you're at his mercy. If you know it, oh dear Lord, you're going to run him out of town. I remember sharing this story several years ago. I think that was at Cedars. I acted a drama. Hallelujah. How many of you remember that story? <laughs> so in that drama, okay, my name was Tanimola. Praise God. My name was Tanimola, and then my father was the king of the entire kingdom and the realm. He was the king, the, the king, the all-round king, and I was his son. And I had a very large palace, of course, and my father was there. And then we had a particular slave called Olurieru. 
this Oluriri was the king of all the slaves and he was the head of the slaves. And then every once in a while we need something done, we'll call the Oluriri and ask him to go get something done for us. And of course, after a while I began to act like my father and I would call him and I would tell him, come here. Of course, he was much older than I was. I would just call him, go and get this for me. Go and buy this for me. Bring your head. Let me put my leg on it. You know, I was manifesting my, <laughs> my kingship. And so one of those days, I did not know that everything the father had belonged to me. So I assumed that there were some things that the father had that I did not own or possess. So I went to my father's pekbeye farm. <laughs> and I went to kill one of my father's pekbeyes. And as I was killing it, of course, because I was not aware of what I really owned in the scheme of things, I did it in secret. I didn't do it boldly. I didn't do it with confidence. I did it with that sense of shame and not, you know, being too sure if I'm doing the right thing or not. Okay, so I, I started to kill my father's pepper in secret. And then Oluriaru caught wind of it and he, he, he snapped up at me and he was like, what, what, what are you doing? He was waiting for my reaction. If I just said, uh -huh, what? In fact, come and continue the killing and bring it to my table once, I, once you're done. I, I responded in fear and trepidation. So I was, I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm killing my father's pepper. You are killing what? Your father's pepper, your, your father's expensive collection of pepper. Do you know what your father will do? Because before then, my father had traveled. So it was just me and Oloriaru in the entire palace and, of course, the other servants. So I, I was acting, thinking that my father would be upset with me if, I, if he knew that I killed his pepper. So I wanted to do it in secret so I would not even observe. Not knowing that the entire Pekbeye and the entire palace belonged to me. And so I, I was acting in fear and in shame. And Oluriaru comes to me and, and he just brings up the, the manipulative wiles, all right? And he brought up all the wiles and he was discharging them in my direction and I was afraid. And I was like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. He said, I will tell your father once he comes back from his trip. And I was like, I'm, please, what, what do I need to do? So you don't tell my father. I don't want to lose my relationship with my father. I said, eh, you don't want to? Okay, bring that scepter of authority. Because my father had given me a scepter of authority with which I was supposed to govern the affairs of the palace while he was away. And then the Oluriadu came and said, he needs that scepter to keep his mouth shut. And I was like, are you sure you will not tell my father once he returns? Uh, he said, uh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, I, I'm a man of my word. Remember, he's a liar from the very beginning and he collected the staff of authority i said is that all i need to do he said that's all then of course that was not all and so he collected my wardrobe he started wearing my clothes uh he became the he became the tanimola and then i became Oluriaru. and after a while of that particular thing transpiring in the entire palace I could not recognize myself anymore. I was wearing slave clothes. I was mopping the floor. I was cleaning everywhere. I was running errands. I was doing everything Oluriaru tells me to do. He was the one sitting on the throne of the king now. And every time he needed something, he would call me. And because of the fear that uh, my father will reject me, my father will not accept me again. So uh, let me shout, because if I don't now, my father, my, I was not really sure of the kind of relationship that I really ought to have with my father. And then he used that, exploited that, and he used me until my father came. When my father came, he saw the reality of what he had left. And he saw that it had just been swapped. And hey, as long as he's a child, he's not different from a slave. Even though he's already Lord of all, but he must be trained. He must be put under tutors and governors. He must be taught the word of God. He must know what really belongs to him. He must know the things that are within the scope of his authority. Else, he will live as a slave. 
And so my father came and he was so upset. He said, how did you let this happen? And then he, he called me. Tanimola, what is going on here? And Tanimola was afraid. Uh, nothing, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and he said, what is going on? Can you tell me in clear terms exactly what is happening here? Why is Olorio on my throne? And you are here mopping the floor. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, daddy. I, I don't even know. Uh, and then um, as he was trying to tell his father, Olorio was, I will tell your father. I will tell. And he was like, oh, nothing, daddy. No, I'm fine. Nothing. I'm good. In fact, I chose this. Gar garments myself. I, I like, you know, to be very humble around the house and I want to just mop stuff. Uh, and Oloriaru kept telling me, I will tell your father. So my father told me, he said, go and collect your staff of authority. Let's start from there. Go and collect your staff. Because you'll be wondering, why is the father not talking to Oloriaru directly? You gave him the authority. God's business is not with the devil anymore. Why didn't God just tell the devil in the Garden of Eden, return the authority? No, God doesn't work like that. He gave the authority to man. Man gave the authority to the devil. If God will collect that authority back, he has to become a man. That was why Jesus had to become a man. God cannot in his capacity as God collect the authority back from the devil. He had to become a man. That was the reason for Jesus Christ in the first place. So he told the son, he said, go and get your staff of authority. And as I was getting to Oluru, Oluru would tell me, I will tell your father, yeah, you killed his pepper, yeah. you killed four of his pepper, yeah. and he will finish, he will reject you, he will disown you. And I'll be like, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can, go back and collect your staff of authority. And after a few bouts of going back and forth, my dad now called me and said, you see, and hair as long as it's a child is not different from a slave. You are actually my son and you own everything in this house. Alright, but if you do not know that you own everything in this house, you will behave like a slave. And he began to give me scripture. Alright, God has not given you the spirit of bondage again of fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father! And he encouraged my heart with God's word, because that's the only thing you have against the devil. If you do not know God's word, you're at his mercy. And then he told me, go back and collect your staff of authority. And I went back to him with a measure of boldness that was bigger than the one before. And I was saying, give me my staff of authority. And he was saying, I will tell you. I said, there is devil. Now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. To them who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of the law of life. In Christ Jesus, I set them free from the law of sin and death. Give me my staff of authority. Now I will smack your head against the wall. And he, he said, where did you learn this one from? Thank you. And he gave me my staff of authority. And I went back to my father. He said, is that all you will do with the staff? And I went back to my, I walked him with it. And I kicked his head. I said, run there. And he ran. I said, come here. And he came back. I said, stop down. He stopped. I said, jump. He jumped. And that was how I defeated the devil. He's the king of slaves. Not the boys. King of slaves. King of slaves. King of slaves. But it is only your understanding, your knowledge of God's word that can deliver you. While I did not know the truth of God's word, I lived as a pauper. I lived as a slave. The moment I came into awareness, <laughs> I could deal with the devil however I pleased. Because I now see him for who he truly, truly is. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Ask your neighbor, Tanimola. <laughs> Ooh, remember, Pastor Peace told us, I believe in the one who owns tomorrow. Uh, I may not know tomorrow, but I believe in the one who owns tomorrow, who runs tomorrow. Praise God. 
So I know tomorrow through him. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Remember we talked about verse 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Let's go farther this morning. Verse 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. There are four things to learn about the devil in this verse of scripture alone. He says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, goeth about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The first thing you need to learn about the devil is that he's your adversary. If you're not bumping into the devil every once in a while, you're very much likely walking in the same direction with him. It's a sign that you're on the right path, that you have the devil to deal with. If everything is just looking so easy, no resistance, no hindrance, no temptation, you're already fallen. You're not resisting anything anymore. If you are walking on the path of faith, you will have resistance. You said if you will live godly in this world, you will face persecution. It's a guarantee. People will just not like you at the office because your own is too much. Something will come at you. A friend will say, Yo, see, this gospel you keep talking about, there will be resistance. If there's no resistance in your life, you are already in the same direction with the devil. So he has left you. <laughs> there is no, he doesn't need to add to the process. You're already fulfilling his agenda. Huh? You're already walking with him. According to the what? The cause of this world. You're already following his path. So he doesn't need to touch you. So it's your adversary. And one proof that you will have to fight him every once in a while. Romans chapter 8. Let's go back there. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. To them who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of life. In Christ Jesus has set him free from the law of sin and death. In that what the law could not do because it was weak in the flesh, God sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So that the righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For a carnal mind is enmity against God. It is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Every single time you are in the flesh and in alignment with the devil, you are displeasing God. If you are pleasing God, you are not in alignment with the devil. You is your adversary. They that are in the flesh cannot. It's a spiritual impossibility for someone who is in the flesh to please God. This is where faith comes in. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is what makes it possible to please God. Fear is what ensures that you don't please him. Fear is what ensures that you don't walk according to the counsel of his will. It is fear. So he is your adversary. Every time you are doing the things that don't please God, you are already in alignment with him. And every time you are doing the will of God, he is literally your adversary in front of you, trying to resist you from doing it. The last time you tried to pray, remember, you didn't feel like praying. That's the devil there. 
The last time he wanted to give because you were instructed to do so. He raised up all the needs in your life and you were not able to do so anymore. That's the devil there. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. The last time he wanted to minister to someone, he raised up all your reputational damage that will come out of that conversation. Ah, what will people say? You know what? The guy is fine. He looks like a saved person. See, see his, his earring has, he has crossed there. So he's saved. Let's just leave him like that. Let the sleeping dog lie. You know, be bringing philosophy that, that don't make sense. Right? That's the devil there. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. For you are not of the flesh, but of the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. And the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Every time you do God's will, you quicken your mortal body. <laughs> God! Every time you say no to the flesh, your body just got quickened. Remember, it was prepared for the will of God. Prepared to do God's will. The moment there is that hope of doing God's will, your body's leaping. Your body's being quickened. If the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Now therefore, brethren, we are debtors. None of the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live for as many as are led. That means the leadership of the Holy Spirit is more into sanctification and holiness than it is hearing who your husband is. Because sometimes the only time people ask God for direction is when they are looking for a husband. When they are looking for a wife, God, is he the one? You have never asked him, Lord, should I pray for this one? Should I preach to this one? Should I sanctify my body? Do I have to watch this movie? You know, you have never asked him for the purpose of sanctification and holiness. But you can ask him suddenly out of the blues. He's just like, ah, I'm about to expect him to He's just wondering, like, where did you come from? Like, where have you been? Suddenly, I should come and tell you who your husband is. Daily life, I'm not there. Any, I'm not there. But once in 25 years, you will show up. What school should my son go to? Really? No. As many as are led by the Holy Ghost, they are the sons of God. For God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear. That means when we were part of the cause of this world, we were in that bondage to fear. That's why I use the word again. Because at some point in our lives, we were subject to that bondage. Through the fear of death, we were subject to bondage. Through the fear of death. Every one of us, before we got born again, we were subject to this fear of death. But it says God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear. But the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, hairs, if hairs, then joint hairs with Christ Jesus. If so be that we suffer together with him, we would also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And then the next expectation of the creation patiently awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. This is one of the most powerful passages of scripture I've ever seen in my life. So powerful. It will liberate you. Why are you afraid? God has not given you the spirit of bondage again to fear. The Bible says in is it Galatians 4 4, it says, Because you are sons. Ah, ah oh dear Lord. Oh, glory to God. There's an anointing in this room right now. There's an anointing in this room. There's an anointing. Breaking yokes, delivering people from addictions, breaking yokes, destroying yokes.
destroying and lifting burdens off the shoulders of men. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke of learning upon you. Take my yoke of learning upon you and you shall find rest to your souls. You shall find rest to your souls. You shall find rest to your souls. He says, because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. It's verse 6. Galatians 4, 6. Check it out. Because you are sons. Oh, glory to God. Because you are sons. Because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying above Father. Because you are sons. Remember he said, now are we the child of God. Now are we the sons of God. For it does not yet appear what we shall be. It does not yet appear what we shall be. For we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him. Wow. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. Ah, what kind of honor is this? What kind of honor is this? What is man that you have mindful of him? Or the son of man that you have visited him? How come you have crowned him with so much glory and honor? You have just made him only a little shade lower than the hello him. What is man? How have you exalted him so much? But there is an anomaly I see on the face of the earth. Sons are walking as slaves. And it's the slaves that are riding on horses. There is a disconnect somewhere. Something is not right. Some people don't know who they are in Christ. Some people do not know. And some people are not even aware of the stature of the devil in his real estate. Some people are not aware. But because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. Crying, Abba, Father, Daddy God. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. I can walk before him in boldness with no sense of inferiority complex, no sense of condemnation. Because I'm a son, because I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. I can walk into his throne room with confidence. I can, I can. Seeing that we have a high priest who has passed into heavens, Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. For we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. For he was in every point tempted as we are, yet he did not contribute sin. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. He became the figure of sin so we can become the figure of righteousness. He became the figure of sin so that we can become the figure of righteousness. It does not yet appear who we shall be. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. The devil has nothing on me. He has nailed every ordinance surviving onto the cross. He nailed all the ordinances onto the cross. Everything that was written against me, every ordinance of hell, written against me, written concerning me, he nailed it to the cross. It doesn't exist anymore in the scheme of things. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am now, right now, right now. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am right now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right now. Not tomorrow, right now. Because I believe. I have faith in him. I have faith in him. I have faith in him. Who has been made the propitiation for my sins. Not just for my sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Oh, glory to God. Because I'm a son, he has sent forth I, the spirit of his son into my heart. Crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Whew. So the devil is your adversary. Hallelujah. The devil is your adversary. He comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But even that which he needs to steal, kill, and destroy, he's been spoiled of it. So all he has left are wiles. 
All he has left are manipulations of the devil, exaltation of self. He'll make you look like you are the one thinking, but he's the one thinking through you. He wants you, he's making you think of survival, thinking that you are thinking of your own self, but he's the one inhabiting your vocal cords so that you can act in opposition to the will of God. Remember, fear is an overwhelming external influence, or rather, a force that influences a man to act in opposition to the will of God. It is created by an exaggeration, manipulation, or distortion of reality. He'll make it look like you are trying to preserve yourself. But he's the devil trying to stop you from following the will of God for your life. And sometimes it would inhabit the vocal cords of people who say they love you. Like Peter. Say, why would you die? Come on, how would you resign? Come on, why would you do that? Why would you do the will of God? Come on, how will you survive? How will you, how will you take care of yourself? How about you just stay somewhere predictable, comfortable, known, you know, organized? Why would you step out of the unknown? Why? Why? And then you must be able to recognize the voice of the devil, even through the vocal cords of those who say they love you. And say, get behind me, Satan, for you have not suffered the things that be of God. Even though you prophesied well the previous moment. Right now, you are saying nonsense. This is ipro-kupro, ipro-kupro. You understand that? Nonsense prophecy. So get thee behind me, Satan. He's your adversary. Even when he says he's in alignment with you, he's your adversary. You know, he will try to sell an agenda of, I like you, I want you to be fine. Like he told Eve, I want you to be smart. I want you to be wiser than God, you understand? I want you to be as wise. You know, I'm on the same page with you. I'm actually on the same, I want you to be okay. That's why I'm doing this. I just want you to have fun. You know, just live with that guy. You know, it's fun now. Just have fun, have sex, you know, enjoy yourself. He's your adversary. There is nothing he's offering you that will not hurt you in the end. Nothing. He's your adversary. It's called your adversary, the devil. Your adversary. There's nothing that is for your good that he aligns with. Nothing. So if he's telling you to do something and you are really not finding resistance with the devil from, from time to time, you are obviously already walking in the same direction with him. So just turn back and begin to face resistance. So the first thing you need to understand about the devil is that he's your adversary. But glory to God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 5, 4. He that is from above is above all things. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to, you, you see, you need, you know when they say marinate, when you marinate a particular, you know, food item in something, you know, you let it soak into the very crevices of that meal. That's what it means to marinate. You need to marinate your soul with God's word. Let it soak into every, you know, ah, every dimension of your being such that even your subconscious is aware of God's word. Even in the dream, you're conscious. Eh? What do you want to do? You want to, you want to deceive me. In the dream, your subconscious can cast out the devil. And you don't even have to wake up to pray. Because your subconscious is so soaked into that consciousness. That God is for you. Who? Whose father is there? Who can be against you? Who? Ah. The number two thing you need to understand about the devil based on 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Is that he's an imposter. He's an imposter. Bible says he walks about like a roaring lion. He's an imposter. The only lion I'm aware of is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then the righteous are as bold as lion. Every other person is a cat. He's not a lion. He's just posing as one. He went to buy beer, beer and then he put it like a, like a lion. He's a cat. His whiskers, he has, does not have that for. He doesn't have it. 
you understand? He's an imposter. He's just going about like a roaring lion, trying to make an impression of something that he really is not. And don't be deceived. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, he says, Marvel not, because the devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light. If it's about appearance, if all you, de- if all you depend on for discernment is appearance, you are finished. And I'm saying that quite mildly. I'm telling you the truth. Whether it's in who you de- decide to get married to, the kind of church you want to attend, whatever it is you want to do with your life, if you make decisions primarily by appearance, you have just taken too many wrong foots in the same direction. Too many. Because the Bible says, marvel not, because the devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light. And so the next verse, he begins to talk about how that, so it's not a great thing if his ministers begin to transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. You see how a lot of people have been destroyed by the kind of churches they chose to attend. Because the ministers literally on the peril of the devil are the ones that they submit their heads under. Ministers is ministers. Bible says they can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. And how will you know a minister of righteousness and the one that is on the peril of the devil? Is it not by being in alignment with God's word? So that you can know where there is deviation. So, he's an imposter. So you don't make decisions based on appearance. He's an imposter. He looks like a big deal, but he's not a big deal. He looks like it. He talks like it. He parades himself like a big deal, but he's not. He's an imposter. He goes about like a roaring lion. The Lord asked him in Job, where have you been? What did he say? I've been going to and fro, up and down, here and there. He's such an aimless imposter. He's not omnipresent, so he can't be in every place at the same time. So he has to send all his agents across board every time, you know, and collecting reports, every, going up and down, just aimless. What he has to do with his legs, God does it with his eyes. What he has to run up and down, go, come back, go, come back. God, sitting on a throne, he just looks up and around. He's looking for who to devour. The Lord is looking for someone on whose behalf he will show himself strong. Totally different. God is looking for who to bless, who to favor, who to love, who to empower, who to save. The devil is looking for who to devour, looking for who to steal, kill, and destroy. He is your adversary, and he's an imposter. Even that which he's supposed to do, he's still poor at that job. He still cannot do it. That little thing he was supposed to, he still cannot, he doesn't have the tools. Imagine you're a web developer, you don't have a laptop. Imagine that. You don't have a laptop. Where's your laptop? I, 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 you know, I just know how to develop web on the web. But where is the laptop? You don't have. That's how the devil is. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. What will he use? Death. Abi, where is it? The key does not belong to him anymore. The key is in the pouch of Jesus. He's the real Anikulakbo. He's Jesus. It's not the devil. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So the job he's supposed to, he does not have the tool for it. The tool is in the hand of, of Jesus. But he's supposed to steal. How, how does he do his job now? Except he makes you believe what is not true. Except he makes you believe it. The keys of hell and death are no longer in his pocket. They are now with Jesus. So he's an imposter. Number three, he lacks direction, real strategy and discretion. Why do you need to be walking up and down if you know where you are going? You know, <laughs> my daughter does that sometimes. We just walking up and down. shall be burning energy. She has to keep fit. <laughs> so, so if you see someone who is supposed to know what they are doing, <laughs> walking up and down, you say, why, why are you, you know, my grandma was say be like it. <laughs> so why are you going up and down like beads? <laughs> why are you going up and down? 
Why are you directionless? That is how the devil is. He says he walks about. You need to see the devil for who he really is. This is the scripture describing the devil. You need to believe the estimation of scripture concerning the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion. He's not one. He's just, he's just an imposter. He's a rat carrying a very big suit on just to scare people going up and down. Lacks direction. Lacks strategy. You want to kill Saul. You want to kill Moses. How about you just kill Moses? Instead, he inhabited Moses under his domot for 40 years. Trained him. Gave him all the things he needed to kill him. How? That is how directionless and lacking of discretion this devil is. You want to kill Jesus. Then you kill 3 million babies. But you still don't kill the Jesus you want to kill. How? He lacks direction. No discernment. He, he can extrapolate. He can guess. He, he, but he does not know. He does not have sound knowledge. He does not have these things. You see, some of the things that you say is because you said it. That's how you knew it. He didn't know you were traveling tomorrow if you didn't say it. He didn't know. You give him credit of omniscience. He's not that omniscient. If he was, why would you train the Moses you wanted to kill? Why? Why? No, no, why? You killed all the children that you shouldn't have killed so that you could kill one that you ought to have killed. The one you wanted to kill, you didn't kill. Then you didn't just leave him unkilled. You now, you now adopt him and you begin to fund his education, empower him. Don't get it. I don't know who advises him. I really don't get it. Where does he get his advice from? See, you need to learn. His board of directors are just, I don't even understand. You see, get comfortable to laughing at the devil. This is one of the things that annoys him the most. He can't deal with it. He will run out. He can't, he can't deal with not being the number one man. He can't deal with it. He couldn't deal with it in heaven. Every once in a while, I laugh at the devil. Laugh at him. You, you are spoiled. <laughs> and laugh at him. He can't deal with it. Ah, I'm free. I'm so free. He lacks the direction, the real strategy and discretion to deal with anybody. Ah, wow, what a God. What a God. God who, who he organizes everything through what is called his predeterminate counsel. He's the, he's the smartest, soundest, wisest man you've ever seen. Bible calls him the only wise God. Only. That is anyone that ever displayed wisdom borrowed it from him. No other, there is no wisdom anywhere else apart from with him. He's the only wise God. He's not the wisest. He's the only one that exists. So the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, don't go and think it up. Don't go and read a book. Ask. That wisdom only comes from somewhere. He's the only wise God. Only wise God. He's an imposter. You see, but the devil lacks strategy. He lacks all those things. So what can he do? Praise God. Then the last thing is that he lacks the capacity to devour everyone. He can't devour. He's looking for the people that are devourable. Those that lack knowledge. He says he's looking for who to devour. He's looking. This one, I can't devour this one. It's Pastor Mike. I can't devour. Ah, Pastor Peace. I can't devour this one. Ah, Minister Gabriel. I can't devour this one. No. Ah, ah. Uh, you hear me? Ah, I can't devour this one. Director, you this tribes men self. I can't devour any one of them. <laughs> I can't devour, I can't touch them. These guys are too hot. Let me look for somewhere they don't used to teach better words. Let me look for this one. John 316. Uh, for God. So liked Shawama. Ah! This one I will, I will finish you today. <laughs> this one does not know the word. He 
finish that one. He's looking for who to devour. He's looking for them. Because he will do, he will do devouring tests. Yeah? He will do devouring tests. Does this one know the Bible? When was the last time this one read the Bible? What does this one know? What are the 12 disciples? <laughs> Zacchaeus. <laughs> I will finish. I will finish this one. <laughs> Open to Habakkuk. Is it the one after Revelation? Ah! <laughs> so, he has to do devouring tests because he can't devour everybody. Else he will be devoured. If he goes to try to divorce someone who cannot be divorced, he's the one that risks devouring. He's the one. He's the one that risks being divorced. He's the one. So he doesn't touch the ones he knows cannot be devoured. He can't devour everyone. And by your knowledge of God's word, you place yourself in a place where he can't devour you. However, he's always lurking around. He's always lurking around, waiting for you to step your foot off the gas. Stop praying, stop studying your Bible, start getting comfortable watching more movies and studying God's word, start getting comfortable doing things that are not in alignment with God's word, spend most time on social media, do things that are not relevant to the cause of Christ, and then your, your fire begins to go down, then it will come back again. Because even Jesus, he only left him for a season. So you cannot be left alone for life, no. He will come back again. When the intensity has died down, he will come back. You ensure the fire does not go out. So he can't devour everyone. You can't devour everyone. You see, if you understand these four things and understand that he has been spoiled, you're home and dry. The devil can't do nothing on you. Nothing. What is left in his arsenal are wiles, fear, manipulation, exaggeration, distortion. Just know the truth. That is how to be sober and vigilant. Know the truth. Know the truth. Know the truth. Say it again. Say, this is my Bible. Say, this is my Bible. This is God's word to me. Say, my Bible is my compass. Say, my Bible is my manual. Say, my Bible is my ideology. I follow the Bible. I speak the Bible. I behave the Bible. I honor the Bible. Until I become one with my Bible. <laughs> Praise the name of Can you rejoice in this place? Such a word we received this morning. So when we say, read your Bible. We're saying, arm yourself with knowledge required to defeat the devil. Remember, we don't wrestle because we are seeing who will win. We are trying to see who wins. No. We are wrestling to enforce who already won. Because principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in this world, spiritual wickedness and places, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that walks in the children of disobedience, they have been spoiled. All right? So, this is the spoilers a lot. Or is this spoiler a lot, they call it. It's the spoiler a lot. They've been spoiled. And in case you missed it, you missed the movie. I'm giving you, by, I'm telling you the spoiler a lot of that scene that happened in hell. I'm giving it to you already in advance. That he was, he was damaged, he was spoiled. In case you missed the party. And every time you meditate on God's word, you are seeing what has been done. You are seeing it. You are experiencing it all over again. The devil has been defeated. He's not going to be defeated. He has already been defeated. Live in that consciousness. 
Live in that reality. So this morning, I'd like you to just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, for spoiling principalities and powers, for delivering me from the power of darkness and translating me to the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the spirit of your son into my heart, crying, Abba, Father. Thank you, Jesus, because you have not given me the spirit of bondage again of fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba, Father. Thank you, Jesus, because you have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. Because your spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we, the children of God, the sons of God. Now, right now, not tomorrow. I'm already a child of God. You became the figure of sin so that I can become the figure of righteousness. What a joy. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. We ask that everyone, under the sound of my voice and by extension, those watching online and those that will watch by way of the SoundCloud, I ask that they'll be established in this truth and in all righteousness in Jesus' precious name. Can we rejoice one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. 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 What a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.